0: Hey, you got this podcast. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Stacia. And we are your friends in wellness, weirdness, and everything in between. And today we are going to be talking about a super chill, just casual topic, which is overcoming failure. (laughs) (laughs) Super low key. No no stress.
1: (laughs) Nastisha, how are you today? What's up? I'm doing really well, actually. I feel like I had a night. I mean, it's so funny. I'm like, yeah, I had a nice weekend. And it's like, do we even have weekends anymore? Life I Life is know. a weekend at <laughs> this point. It's like it is <laughs> and is not a weekend at the same time. <laughs> like I literally was somehow justifying. I was like, okay, like I can stay up later because it's the weekend. And I'm like, really, I, especially like, Pre-pandemic, during pandemic, my schedule was already pretty much this way, Mm -hmm, but it's just been funny because of, yeah, so not much has changed, but you had a nice weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I had a great weekend and it's so funny. I just wanted to say, I was thinking about it because you're like, I know you love energy drinks and I have a cup of coffee in the morning. (laughs) Nice. That's amazing. So I had a cup of coffee in the morning or I do that every morning. Like that's my little ritual. I do my journaling and have my coffee. And so recently I started taking, I'm not even joking, a fourth of a scoop of pre-workout, a fourth of a scoop. Because if I That's take a full scoop, I legit science. like go into a coma, like of energy. Like I know that doesn't make sense, but <laughs> no, I, I know, literally can't function. Like out, you're so amped up. <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> I was like, like okay. Four loco was legal, like the original four loco, and you'd just be like, ah. <laughs> raging. Yes, no. So I can't do that. So I just have like a teeny tiny drop of pre workout, and it's been so crazy because these last few nights. And I have it at like noon. And these last few nights, I have not been able to fall asleep. Uh, And now I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this from this? But then I realized also the past three nights, I have no way to control this experiment because I have also changed something. And that is the fact that I've been watching Ozark every night before I go to bed. so
0: good. Okay. It's so good though. So So intense.
1: And so I feel like that's like amped me up too. And so I'm like pre-workout and Ozark right before bed. And I'm like, cannot sleep. (laughs) Okay, Stacia and I were talking about Ozark on like... Friday afternoon
0: I think it was like yes. you were like oh yeah. season three came yeah. out and I was like oh my god I love Ozark and we're recording this on Monday morning I have already completed season three
1: of oh, Ozark. I'm so jealous <laughs> I have one episode left uh- oh my god the, the final
0: the, fi- the final the finale oh. is so weird also sidebar I'm glad that you said that you take your pre-workout at noon because the way you said it I somehow interpreted it that you were mixing it into your coffee <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know what flavor pre-workout she has, but mine would taste disgusting in my
1: coffee. Oh, that's amazing. That's beautiful. No, disclaimer, do not put it in coffee. I put it in my water like four hours after I've had my coffee. I was like, no wonder you feel like you're going to explode. That's like disgusting. Uh, yeah so that's how I am in a nutshell how are you doing
0: I feel like we are so caffeinated right now I am great I also (laughs) feel like just in regards to this whole pandemic that's happening my sleep schedule like I don't have a sleep schedule anymore because it's just like Mm -hmm. I feel like this is gonna sound depressing but it's like what's the (laughs) point (laughs) Like, all of my regularly scheduled stuff is, like, not happening anymore, like... No mm-hmm. one is adhering to a schedule. Also, we have a puppy. So that's like throwing off my sleep. But I just like I feel like every 100%. day I'm like, oh, how like late am I going to stay up? Or like how many hours of napping am I going to do? T-? Like I just <laughs> my schedule is like <laughs> gone. So perhaps that will be my intention this week is to like get myself back on a schedule. I don't know. But I'm good. Know, Other than that, tough. I'm good.
1: Awesome.
0: So today we have been, you know, like really trying to, as we say, every episode, ask you guys what you want to hear and like topics that you would be interested in hearing us cover. Because I always think in terms of creating content, that's going to be better than us just pulling stuff out of thin air, because it's something that you actually want to hear. So last night I asked our audience and my Instagram audience what you guys wanted to hear. And you guys like clearly get us because all the topic suggestions were like hard hitting serious. Um, Yeah, Thank you guys so much. Please continue to do so because it's so fun to see like what you want to hear covered, and the ideas that you come up with. But we had a request today to talk about overcoming failure. So that's what we're going to be... It's going talking about to today. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be raw. It's going to be vulnerable. And station and I were texting about this this morning. And at first, I was like, "Ugh, I don't want to talk about this because I like already know <laughs> what my thing is going to be." And I was like, "I don't want to talk about this. This is going to be terrible." But then, you know, I like thought through it a little bit more, and I do think these kinds of conversations are really important to have because it just gives other people permission to talk about their own failures and to embrace them, and everybody has failed at some point and I think it's really healthy to talk about. So while I am feeling a little anxious, I am excited.
1: I am so excited and that was such a great introduction to the topic and I appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable and talk about something that can definitely be a little scary and people try to act as if failure isn't a big part of even the smallest of successes. totally. (laughs) And
0: I also think too, like, I mean, this is, there's just so much to unpack with this topic, but I think with our social media culture, it's really easy to never talk about failure and just talk about the highlight reels or sort of like Mm -hmm. reference failure and be like, Oh, this hard thing happened anyway, moving on. Like here's a positive mantra. And I do think it's important especially now when people are like really I feel like sitting with their shit because what else are we gonna do at home for months on end mm-hmm. yeah I just I think it's really important so thank you Jenny for requesting yes. this topic uh,
1: and I also think it's really interesting with the social media thing too is that even if people do talk about their failures they still can curate it you know yeah they can still take out the parts that uh, Don't show them in the best light or get to pick and choose which failures they want to talk about. And so there's so much that you don't see and so much that makes you end up feeling like, oh, I'm inadequate because my failures look like this and it doesn't look this pretty at all. Right. Or
0: like my failure is still happening because I feel like people do this thing on social media where maybe they'll talk about a failure, but then they like tie it up in a neat little bow. You know, they're like, this happened and now it's not happening anymore. And so then when you're in the middle of something really shitty, you're like, well, like I'm still very much dealing with this or whatever. So I think it's important to be honest and vulnerable and raw and just like everything dealing with overcoming your own failures is a process. And I mean, we'll dig in, but I definitely still work through my big failure a
1: lot. So. Oh man, I'm I'm intrigued to hear what this uh, is because I was trying to rack my brain for that, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, Lizzie, we're no. we're gonna spend a lot of time. On I've you like today. never talked wait. about this
0: publicly, <gasps> so I'm excited to oh, just like wow. get it off my chest. Um, I mean, I think like yes. everybody in my life knows that it happened, but mm-hmm. it's something that. I was thinking about this morning as I was prepping for it. There's just a lot to unpack. Like it's not failure in one way. So I'm excited to talk about
1: it. That's awesome. So do you want to... Dive right into that or just talk about kind of success and what that success and failure and what that means to us just to kinda of ease into it. Yeah. I know.
0: <laughs> After I'm like, hey guys, I'm gonna talk about something terrible. So just get ready.
1: <laughs> uh, not something terrible. I think just something that really uh, means a lot to you is a big part mm-hmm, of your story and I totally think that that is going to be a story that people want to hear. But let's 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 make them wait a little bit. Let's Yeah,
0: guys. You have to it. hold on. Hold
1: Hold on. Yeah, so let's talk
0: about like what does failure? You asked this question in our prep this morning.
1: What do what do failure and success look like to you? So I think if you would have asked me this question five years ago, I would have had a, no idea how to respond. And even yeah, if it's I had a, hard a response, question. I it would be totally different than what I have from now because I think something that's really interesting for me. And I'm excited to hear your input on it. Because uh, knowing your personality type, Mm. and being an achiever, I'm like, I'm sure you have tried many things in your life. Whereas Mm. for me, I was so afraid of trying anything that I honestly don't have a list of many failures in my life. And uh, my experience with failure has been only doing things that I know I will succeed at. So Uh, I was always, yeah, I was always really proud of myself for the longest time. Like you have no idea. Like I would pride myself like, oh yeah, any job that I wanted, I got. Any school that I wanted to go to, I went to. Anything that I wanted in life, I got, I succeeded, things were good. And I started to realize like, oh, Stacia, maybe that means you're not actually trying things that are scary enough. (laughs) And I was like, wait, like I'm playing way too small. I'm I'm only taking the bets that are safe bets. Like uh, what what do you mean I'm supposed to fail? But to me, like I think uh, being able to accept failures as lessons as well as hearing no, is such an opportunity to learn and grow and create things for yourself and that I've on it's honestly done me a disservice to be afraid to fail and to be afraid to be told no and be afraid to make mistakes and then yeah. I lived most of my life not taking any risks at all like at all yeah I was like must stay safe. Failure means I am bad and I will die. So uh, let's just not do that. I feel like (laughs)
0: that's so much more common and relatable than you like even realize, though, because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that's definitely a pattern I've gotten myself into and thinking that like, Mm -hmm. it's just me. And then you realize like, everyone's kind of doing that, right? Like, we're all like trying to preserve our sanity and our egos and our emotions. And it's just a lot.
1: It is a lot. But what about you? What do you think? What's your little take on failure, success, how it's played a part in your life?
0: Yeah. So I feel like, you know, Stacia and I always talk about our Enneagram and just like my, my personality type, even outside of Enneagram as I am an achiever type person, like I see something and I want to not just do it, but I want to do it the best. And so for me, and it's like, I'm not going to say that I'm better at this. It's definitely still a problem, but I'm more aware of it. My thing is like, if I don't do something the best out of everybody that I know, I view it as a failure, which is cuckoo. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's just silly. And so I've really been working on disconnecting the like other people's perceptions from my own feelings about it so like how do I feel about this do I feel good about it okay well then this doesn't matter or like I'm doing something just because it feels good and also I think for me like my just like a theme in my life and how my brain works is I set these crazy unrealistic expectations. And then of course, can't meet them. Like I set myself up for failure and then I, I view it as a huge failure. And so trying to set more reasonable, attainable milestones, which is really hard to do, but yeah. So I think for me, like, Oh, what were you going to say? Oh
1: no, I was just laughing because I'm like, I know that you said that what I said is relatable, but I'm just like, wow, setting the bar too high. I'm like the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum and I've just set the bar really low for myself my whole life. Oh my God, you're so funny. It's so funny because I do not
0: like... Externally, like now I know you so much better, but I never would have thought that about you before. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's so funny learning yeah. about how people's brains work because you're like, Oh, I never would have thought that about her.
1: <laughs> Surprise,
0: here I am. Surprise! Yeah, so I guess, yeah, that's my thing is just like setting the bar way too high. And then if I'm not like immediately really great at something, I see it as this huge failure, which we will dig into. And so I've been really trying to work on like how do I feel about this? And do I feel really proud of it? And what matters to me versus like, what am I supposed to be feeling or like getting the word should out of my view of like failure and success? And that's been really hard, of course, like it's, it's a process. But I mean, I think for me, I'm starting to work on viewing success as like being proud of what I do and feeling like it had a lot of integrity and like it's sustainable mm-hmm. and also like I'm not a total zon like I haven't worked myself to the bone yeah. and then failure also like on the exact same hand as that like if I failed I still like you know, did so with integrity. Not that I like, I feel like as I'm saying this, it sounds like I've done all these (laughs) things without integrity. That's not what I'm trying to say. But just like letting myself be like, that didn't turn out as great as I wanted it to, whatever it was, but like, I still did my absolute best because I think previously, and it still comes up a lot, I'll be like, you did your best and it
1: wasn't good enough. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. And I think you made a good point. Something that I would say a lot of people would relate to because I think a lot of people struggle with perfectionism Mm -hmm. is not being immediately great at something and that you take that as a failure as, Oh, I'm not good enough at this, but realizing like, yo, pump your brakes. You just tried it for the first time. You're not going to be amazing (laughs) at it. Totally. And that's okay. Like for me, when I had my recital and I started taking singing lessons and all of that like, trust me, I am still not that great. I always joke with my teacher. I'm like, okay, in like 10 years, <laughs> I might be an okay singer. <laughs> but that has been a huge uh, learning lesson yeah. for me. Like, I ha- I struggle. I am a beginner. I have so much to learn. There are so many things that frustrate me because I'm like, how do I not get this yet? And then I have to go and do a performance where I'm like, oh my gosh, I still do not feel confident in my abilities, but understanding that I'm learning and that I'm growing and that each time I show up, I'm going to get better and that. It's not necessarily like, oh, I failed because I didn't sing like Beyonce. It's like, (laughs) no, I'm allowed to not be immediately great at something and still keep trying at it and still keep working at it.
0: Absolutely. And I will say, like, I think when I started going to yoga, this was like a light bulb moment for me because, like, yoga, there aren't like, there are yoga competitions, but not really, and not like the kind of yoga that I practice, even, which is great. And I mean, there's like Instagram yogis, but I still don't like view myself in that. And so I remember going to yoga and being like, oh, it doesn't matter if I like ever am good at this at all like the whole mm-hmm. point is just like feeling good in your body and enjoying it and I remember that being like such a relief mm-hmm. and part of what like you know began my whole like oh you can just do something because it's fun and it feels good and like who cares if you're good at it like you know sometimes I go to yoga like everybody does especially if it's hot yoga and I just like lay on my mat for the whole time but I still did it like I still <laughs> went to yoga you know yes and that was like huge for me and having something that it like it didn't matter if I was good at it. It didn't matter if I went every day. It didn't matter how it looked. it was just like, Oh, I went and I did it. And yeah, you yeah, showed guys, up. apparently you can have things that you just do for fun. <laughs>
1: Breaking news. I don't know if you guys know this, but. <laughs> you are allowed to have fun. Here's your permission slip. Yeah.
0: Like uh, I was playing, you know, my husband and I, I would say, are very sophisticated. And so last night we were playing Mario Kart together. <laughs> and like I was losing so epically. And I was just like, this is fun. Like, who cares? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) You know, but for me, that's a lot. Like, that's a big deal to be like, I'm losing and I'm still enjoying myself. So
1: yay! yeah, Yeah. that's a good lesson.
0: It is a good lesson. I'm
1: trying to think, I don't know, like, uh, if this is something that speaks to you, but I was thinking when we talked about failure versus success, for me, something that comes to mind is how it's viewed for men and women separately because I think that uh, for when I think of like a man (laughs) like he gets to unapologetically show up to the world as himself so when I think of failure it's like the world tells him you are already all you need to be so go and be and so it's like oh cool like let me try all these things because I see all these people doing this crazy stuff and I'm like what and I'm like man we women really have to fight against a message that tells us that we need to apologize for existing and that
0: we're not enough
1: just for like being ourselves (laughs) yeah and that that can be a huge barrier to even trying something so if you're not feeling like you're able or allowed to try because I think that's something that was like huge in my conditioning and upbringing was like oh no this is like what women do and uh you just should be grateful that you're here.
0: Yeah, like you have a seat at the table. Who cares if it's a bad seat? You know, like it's being a woman is hard, yeah. guys.
1: <laughs> <It's a laughs> I, know we, I know, we all have our shit, but uh, and there's plenty of things and conditioning and things that men have to unpack and deal with that. I can't even begin to imagine that Mm. they don't have space to talk about that they need to have space to talk about. But I just think when it comes to success and failure, I think of it as more of like a masculine thing.
0: Yeah, that's true. And it is, I definitely think Women can get a bad rap for being ambitious where you're like, if, and I've had this happen in many work situations where I get called out for, you know, my language or just ambition and wanting things to be a certain way. And then like, you know, it'll sort of be like, calm down or just kind of like this undertone that I'm being ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. then like, there will be a man right next to me doing the exact same thing. And everyone's like, yeah, good for you, Joe, or whatever. And I'm like, are you fucking (laughs) kidding me? This is so (laughs) ridiculous. And I think, you know, as people become more aware of those types of things, and thankfully, Seattle's a very liberal city, like it gets better. But that's definitely something that I've had happen many times where I'm just like we are acting the exact same why am I the only one being told to stop
1: 100 percent, and that's part of the thing that it's like as a woman wanting to succeed at something great there's not as many opportunities for you to like put yourself out there to do that because we're not we don't mm-hmm. live in a space that like celebrates successful women we're getting there like we we're getting are there, getting there for sure better. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's an interesting aspect of success and failure. Like, I don't even think I've ever had dreams big enough to fail at because I wasn't, I don't know, there's a lot more that goes into that than just being a woman. But no, uh, totally. I do think that that is a piece of the puzzle. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think it's also if you look at really successful or powerful women across like any field, a lot of times they'll get a lot of like really negative press or reaction when they are celebrating their own successes or how badass they are and it's like Mm -hmm. oh my god no one cares that this male is doing the exact same thing but yeah you see these women like I feel like especially with female athletes this like the women's soccer team is a really great example Mm. of like fucking crushing it and then being like yo can't we get paid for this and then being like uh, excuse me, maams. <laughs> like you need to calm down. <laughs> Whereas for the men, they're like, "Here are all these sponsorships, and like let us give you more money." And I think that's a really great example of how like a lot of people are very uncomfortable with women being successful and being unapologetic about their own success.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And I remember, so I went to this Together Live event in New York with Glennon Doyle, which you all know, I'll say. favorite <laughs> person in the entire world. <laughs> yeah, fangirl number one, okay. And uh, her wife was there, Abby yeah. Wambach, who is the so like, major... Yeah, so badass and an incredible figure in the like U.S. soccer team mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, her career as a professional athlete. And she told this story, and I'm probably going to butcher it. So sorry, but um, <laughs> sorry, it was Abby. so interesting. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Abby, if you're listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> We'll send this one to you. She talked about receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award when she was getting ready to retire. And she got to walk on stage being honored with Peyton Manning and Kobe Bryant. And, uh, she said that uh, she stood there and she was like, I gave my speech and I was just like, I'm just grateful to be here. And as she walked off stage, she was like, just filled with this anger and she couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And she thought about it and she was like, Grateful. Like, that's all I am allowed to be. Yep. Is grateful as a woman. Like, I should just be happy to be here. Yeah. And it's like, these athletes, are, they get to go retire and not think about where their next paycheck comes from, mm-hmm. whereas she's going to have to figure out how to have a career after her professional career, which is something that if you are a superstar male athlete, isn't something Mm-mm. that you really have to worry about. Uh, and that it was just such an interesting perspective on like the idea of yeah, we should, as women, just be grateful to have a seat at the table.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very, and so just like from an athletic standpoint, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but my husband and I met because we were both athletes at Gonzaga. But I think it's very interesting because we both wrote at Gonzaga. You know, like we both were D one athletes, and I cannot tell you the amount of times that we've been in certain groups or just places and people make this huge deal about how Dan was an athlete and like, oh my God, like you were an athlete at Gonzaga and love my husband because he always is like, yeah, so was Lizzie. That's how we met. But I remember we were at a friend's wedding a couple years ago and it was during March Madness and Gonzaga was doing pretty well. And so a lot of people were watching the Gonzaga game on their phones and somebody there like knew our story and they were like, yo, Dan, like, what was it like to be an athlete at Gonzaga? Like with, you know, the basketball team and everything. And it was all of these guys just asking my husband, all of these questions about like being an athlete and knowing all of these basketball players who now like play in the NBA and stuff. And he was like, you know, Lizzie had the exact same experience as me. Like she was there too. And they were just like, oh, oh, so anyway, yeah. but it, it, it's so crazy because like, yeah, I mean, and part of my like failure is tied up in this, which I'll go into, but yeah, it's like, I remember dating a guy in college, not Dan, obviously. And he was like, Oh, just like, don't go to practice or like, you know, don't work out. And he, it came out once when he was like quite drunk that, it really intimidated him that I was a more successful, like he would always talk about his high school mm. athletic career, which like no offense to any of you who were high school athletes, but when you're a collegiate athlete, you're like, I don't really care because you're just working. Like it's just totally different. And yeah. he would always brag about it. And I would never be allowed to like, which, why was I dating this guy?
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Let's unpack
0: that. Um, but like, he would never allow me to talk about my college achievements and it was you know it came out when he was quite drunk that he was like super intimidated and really didn't like it like he was like yeah I think it's really cool but I also like hate that you're a more successful athlete
1: than I'll ever be yeah and I think that that is something that probably is whether like if we really unpack it I think part of me is like afraid of success and that that would intimidate somebody like I am still single yeah. and I'm like what I'm afraid that if I own my shit and I'm a fucking rock star that men are going to be like oh no thank you yeah
0: yeah and I definitely know that I mean I met my husband in college which I just said but I know that feeling obviously from dating guys in college and I will just say for all of you single ladies out there who are feeling what mm-hmm. Stacia's feeling. <laughs> after we were already married I don't know why this came up but I was like what is your first memory of me to my husband because we both remember like our first interactions are like totally different times
1: <laughs> oh, um, which is
0: really funny he was not very nice to me the first time I talked to him, <laughs> which we can get into later. but I was like when is like the first time you remember seeing me and he was like oh we were in the erg room ergs are rowing machines and so like at Gonzaga there's this huge like Workout facility for the rowers. It's just like ergs and weightlifting equipment. And he was like, Yeah, I remember I saw you, and I was like, That girl is ripped and like she's amazing and I say that because like that was something that really attracted him to me and mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be like I need to make myself small or I'm gonna be too mm-hmm. much for mm-hmm. a man and you will find somebody who thinks that what you are doing is so fucking badass and wants to like shout yeah. it from the rooftops it's just
1: unfortunately not
0: as common as the shitty
1: guys <laughs> so. Preach. that was a beautiful message and I totally totally I 100% believe that and I know that to yeah. be true so I know when that little voice is like you're gonna be too much I'm like not for the right person yeah, and like yeah. this thought that it's like honestly it's a great way to see through the bad people like oh I don't like okay <laughs> if totally. that's too much for
0: you yeah. like and I think that's so hard to do when you're like 20, 21. Yes. Um, so for so those of you who are listening, younger, that yeah, like we feel you. But I do think as you get older, you do start to be more like, no, I want more out of this. And I mean, like every marriage has its ups and downs. I'm not saying ours is perfect, but I just remember that being such a light bulb moment for me. Like, oh, guys can like find this attractive and like, want more of this and that was just mm-hmm. really crazy to me so i hope that yeah. you all find something Go like Dan. that yeah we yeah Dan. Dan. i know we'll have to <laughs> i mean he would be mortified if i brought him on the podcast but we should do it
1: sometime. <laughs> let's do, let's it, do it. it i love it well i think the time has come and i would love, love, love to hear <laughs> about what you would say your biggest failure yeah. has been and what you learned from it. So we're still learning from it. Yeah,
0: I will say so my it's 2020 as we're recording this and my biggest failure like culminated in a moment in 2011. And it has taken me, I mean, about nine years to be able to really work through all of the different aspects of it and like just the different ways in which it was a failure. So I just, I'm like prefacing that as I say it in that, as I say the story, it could sound like one very clear failure, but I now have the perspective to see that it was a lot of different things and Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot of different things from it. So I'll go into my story now. Yes, do tell. Sit down, grab a cup of tea, whatever it is. So <laughs> I've mentioned extensively that I was a rower in college. I don't think that's a surprise for anybody. And also I've mentioned in episode one that my mom died when I was in college. So my mom died August 20th, 2010. And I went back to school on August 29th, 2010, which is like Jeez. cuckoo. And I think a yeah. lot of it was like self-preservation because mm-hmm. especially from where Station and I are from. Like, what are you going to do? Just like sit on the island, you know? <laughs> but so I went back to school and as I'm sure all of you can imagine was not fully there. Like yeah. that first semester of school, I truly don't remember it. Like I don't remember my teachers. I got like perfectly fine grades, but like I could not tell you the classes I took, other things like that. And so when All of this was happening. My mom was sick for a very long time. That whole summer, my coaches were like, do what you need to do. If you don't want to come back, like, that's fine. In college, you can do like a red shirt year, which basically means like you're on the team, but it doesn't count for anything. So technically, you can do like five years of college athletics. And they were like, if you want to do a red shirt year, that's fine. If you need to like not come to practice sometime that's fine too. Like just let us know. And so I have this really what I thought foreshadowing was going to (laughs) be a really positive situation going back into. And so I went back and there was outside of my mom dying and my own like deep, deep depression, there was a lot of really unhealthy stuff happening within my team. There was a lot of bullying and a lot of like, really just unhealthy relationships. And I think that's very common when you get a group of young girls together who have to spend 24 seven to get like we were, you know, my teammates and I were together a million hours a week and it wasn't just me who was like experiencing bullying. It was a lot of people, but it was the first time in my life that I had ever experienced bullying, which I am very lucky that it didn't happen until I was like 20 years old. But I now know, like I was super, super depressed. Obviously I was having like, my mental health was not great. And I think now, even like nine years later, there's a lot more understanding and awareness for mental health issues and how to support people during those times in the athletic world then. And just like the situation I was in there was not so I was constantly told like suck it up you need to like put on a happy face you need to hang out with your teammates and I would like go to practice and I would just be like I have to like it would just be so exhausting I would have to go home and so yeah my teammates really started turning against me and being really really mean like I'm not gonna go into all of the like horrible bullying stuff they did because it's oh, just no. I don't <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's not worth it, but it was, it, it was really terrible. And so all of this was happening and I was, you know, rowing a lot and I was starting to feel a lot of pain in my hip, but because I was bullied so much by my head coach and by my teammates, I didn't feel like I was able to speak up about it and also like rowing and just sports at that level like you're just going to be in pain <laughs> you know like it's yeah. just it's just kind of a matter of like if and when you're going to get injured not like maybe you'll get injured it's like you're going to get injured it's just a matter of like how badly and when so i was having a lot of pain in my hip my left hip i didn't feel safe to tell anybody and this wasn't just me this was happening with some other teammates too and when you're injured in college or just a college athlete you have trainers and they're not trainers like Stache is a trainer they're trainers in that like they help you with recovery they can help you with stretching they might put you in an ice bath those types of things so normally when we were injured we could go to the trainer and our coach had basically been like, none of you can go to the trainer. So for months, I would, yeah, which Jeez. is uh, problematic to say the least. You're actually not allowed yeah. to do that. And so for, you know, months and months, I was just in all of this pain and also emotional pain and just really, really struggling. My teammates basically gave me like a month of leeway and then they were like, lock it up. Like you need to get your shit together and all of these things. And so right before Christmas break, my coach took me out to coffee off campus and she said, you know, I need you to go home. We had like a month off for Christmas and she was like, I need you to go home. And when you come back, I need you to be over this, like over this was December and my mom had died in August. (laughs) So just give yourself a little perspective and basically threatened me and was like, you know, if you're not over this, there's going to be... Some serious repercussions. So, went home, really tried to, you know, deal with it as best I could. Obviously, didn't because, like, it was, you know, my first holiday season, all of these things. Oh and gosh. I was yeah. so young, you know, I was young and I remember going. Being
1: forced to deal with your grief. Like,
0: yeah, being forced to deal with grief. And, you know, now we know and I know that there's no right or wrong way to deal with grief and that it's like such a process. I had no friends who I could... I had one friend who I could talk to about it who had lost her mom and everybody else just didn't know what to do. And so I was really, really struggling. You know, my dad was obviously like really struggling. My brother, it was just... It was a really hard time. And so I went back to school and the messaging I had gotten was basically like, don't talk about this. And I remember I tried to go to my counselor and explained my situation and was just like, I... I'm having such a hard time. I'm so depressed. I can't focus. I can't do anything. Like I was really trying to reach out for help. And I remember the counselor was like, it sounds like maybe you have like a learning disability or ADD because I couldn't focus. (laughs) And I was like, no, I think I'm like majorly depressed (laughs) and I'm having really bad anxiety. And so it was just like all of these different things piling up on each other as this was happening. It was just really terrible. And so I still wasn't going and getting help for my hip. Um, I was just in so much pain all the time and I didn't want to say anything. And one day, I think it was in like January or February, it was pretty early into the year. I was working out in the ERG room and the men's coach, um, who had been my coach and then switched teams saw me rowing and he was like, stop right now. Like something is seriously wrong with your bot. Like this looks really painful for you. You need to go to the trainer right now. And I was like, Oh, like, I'm not really supposed to go. And he was like, are you kidding me? Like, we can't tell you guys not to go. And my hip had gotten so tight and so messed up that I couldn't straighten my leg all the way at all. Which like shocked face. Yeah, it was so painful. So I went to the trainer and she was like, this is terrible. Like, you're done. You can't, you know, like you need to not row for at least a while. And I had to go in and see her every day. I had to go get an MRI. And all of this stuff, I was going to have to get major surgery, um, which I didn't end up getting, which I'll go into. But so I couldn't row for the rest of the year. This was in like January or February. I was still on the team, though. And, you know, I had to during practice time, I would go like watch practice and take footage or do my PT exercises and stretch or you know, do other supplemental things that I could do that wouldn't hurt my hip. And it was me and a couple other girls who were injured, who had finally like gotten the other coaches to stand up for us and be like, they need help. So I wasn't rowing, which was really hard because I was, you know, it was my whole identity at that point. Rowing had gotten me through my mom being sick and dying. It was like what I held on to. Mm -hmm. it was really nice to have a routine. So I wasn't rowing and couldn't really do anything. It sucked. I wasn't used to not going and being with my team 24 seven and around this time, my coach, so the NC2A has all of these rules, right? And you can't really like make up your own rules for the safety of the <laughs> athletes, but it would be very common in spring, which is when rowing is really ramping up to do like a dry season. So and it would be like self self-led. So like your team or a group of like the whole team or a couple of people would be like, I'm not drinking until, you know, the season is over because as station I have talked about like alcohol and athletic performance just don't really go together, but this wasn't a real team rule. There was nothing that like, you know, they couldn't hold us to it at all. And so obviously if I had been rowing 100% <laughs> would have followed it, but could not row, was not going to get to row at least for that year. And at that point it was looking like I probably wouldn't be able to row my senior year, which like, you know, my mom had just died. I was dealing with this. It was a lot. And so I was 21 at that point. I had an apartment on campus. I had a friend over who also was very injured. He was on the men's team and we had like a beer or two beer. Like we weren't even drunk, which is the funniest thing I think about this whole story. We were just hanging out, you know, like, like one does on a Saturday night. And it was really, I remember having such a terrible day that day and just like really struggling with my identity and all of this stuff with my mom and just being like, what am I doing? And not that I wasn't using alcohol at all to like medicate. It was just like, I remember sitting there drinking a beer with my friend and just being like this, Sucks so bad. And he was like, Yeah, this is terrible. Like, it's terrible not being able to row. There was a girl on my team who had been like kind of the lead bully. She was really, really awful to me. And she reported it to the coach. The coach had like, she was, yeah, the coach didn't really like me. And so she said, You know, meet me in my office tomorrow. And I was like, Okay, great. And I go to her office. She wasn't there. She said, I texted her and she said, come downstairs to the weight area because we were supposed to be doing team weights. So the whole team was there along with another team because we often shared the weight area with like, I think the men's basketball team that year was who we shared the weights, our weight time with. So I went down there and in front of everybody as they're warming up and I was injured, you know, I couldn't row. I would go to weights and like do this like really weird routine that was like the only thing I could do. In front of my whole team, my coach... Kicked me off the team. She said, "You know, I heard that you were drinking this weekend, and I really think you have a drinking problem, which I did not and do not." And this was in front of all of my teammates and my friends. And she kicked me off the team. I just
1: my got junior year, my entire body. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was Ooh. like the worst day ever. And I remember, you know, she was like, "Return all of your stuff." So when you're a college athlete, you get like all of these clothes and shoes and all of the, you get so much stuff. And I was wearing like, that was all I would wear. She was like, you need to return all your stuff. And you know, that's it. And I remember walking out, it was like kind of a long walk to my apartment. And I called my dad and I was just like, I don't know what to do. The coach, I'm not going to say her name. I almost said her name. (laughs) I was like, I just got (laughs) kicked off the team. And my dad was like, are you kidding me? Like I had a scholarship. This was like everything that it was my whole life. It was all that I did. And my dad was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you're going through the shittiest time of your life. And then like, she does this, you know, I'm going to call the athletic director,
1: which is like, you don't just call (laughs) the athletic director of
0: like a major sports school, but he was my dad and he was taking care of me. And so you know, I went back, I remember pulling garbage bags out from underneath my kitchen sink and dump it. It was like bags and bags and bags of stuff. And she, I remember so graciously let me keep my shoes and sports bras because like, They didn't want those back. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember she was like, you can keep your sports bras and your shoes. But it it was like basically like giving back my entire wardrobe. And the things I had purchased myself, like when we would have like a swag store or like a supplemental, like we did a Lululemon order one year, I got to keep that stuff. But anything the school had given me, I had to return. And I had to to go back.
1: What the heck?
0: (laughs) I know. And I had to walk into the athletic department passed all of the coaches with like bags of stuff and put Ooh. it in her office in front of like I had to see her which again now I'm like why did this happen yeah. yeah and so I was obviously in shock I was already in shock my teammates were terrible to me they were like you deserve this you know there was just a lot of bullying happening because I wasn't like showing up and being my normal perky self, which now I know, like, I I wish I had had the language that I had to be able to advocate mm-hmm. for, like, my mental health and really explain what was going on and also to, like, find an adult that I could trust and not, yes. not be scared to speak up. But yeah, so that happened. <laughs> it was really terrible. Oh, but for, yeah, in. for a really long time, I, like, super super blamed myself like I was like this was my fault I'm a failure I'm like a bad person I'm a loser I mean all of my teammates were like me and some other people they were like they're alcoholics they drink all the time which wasn't true I think Stacia and I talked about In our Sober Curious episode, how like we have the kind of personalities where like people just have like think I'm drunk all the time when I'm not. And I remember (laughs) seeing my teammates once because, you know, I would often go out totally sober, which in college is a hoot to go to the bars and be like the sober person. but So I would do that, you know, and still come home and go to bed really early. And then the next day it would be like, oh, my God, Lizzie was so wasted at the bar. You should have seen her. And I would be like, what? I haven't drank in like weeks. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I was sober, but that was a huge part of the bullying. So, yeah, this happened and it was really embarrassing. And I didn't tell people like I've never talked about it publicly because I was so ashamed. And for a really long time, I didn't even tell people like after college that I had been an athlete because I was just so embarrassed about how it had ended. I did end up talking to the athletic director and a bunch of other teammates who had also been bullied that I didn't really know about it <laughs> um, came forward and there was an investigation. I will say the coaches ended up getting fired. They completely cleaned house, wow. Wow. which is like a win. Yeah, And I was offered, you know, the athletic director was like, you can come back on the team. Like, first of all a coach can't there's all these rules in the NC2A about how you can like remove somebody from the team and she had broken every <laughs> single rule like she had no grounds to remove me from the team wow. um except that she just didn't like me <laughs> wow. i know which is wild and so you know they offered me a spot back on the team and i didn't take it because i was like these girls are like making my life a nightmare i I'm not going to go back like because of that. And I remember the athletic director of Gonzaga being like, well, what do you want out of all of this? Like, how can I support you? Like, what is your purpose in talking about this? And I was like, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. This was the worst. I'm living through the worst year of my entire life. And then this happened and like, what are like this is just ridiculous and then like I want to say a couple weeks later the guy who I had been dating for that whole year broke up with me it was like it was like hilarious how bad this year was but yeah so that was my like biggest failure and you know it ended up being like my senior year I didn't row obviously and was able to like really explore myself and like when you're an athlete in college, all you are is an athlete. So my senior year, I like made all these new friends. And ironically, Dan and I started dating, even though I wasn't a rower anymore, but I still, you know, hung out with them all the time. And I really got to Do all of these things I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do in college. So it, you know, that part of it was good. And it was, I don't think that I would be as compassionate as I am for other people and their situation if this had not happened to me because it was Mm -hmm. so terrible. But for the really, a really long time, I viewed it as my failure and Mm -hmm. my fault. And I was like, sick about it. Like I hated talking about rowing. I hated telling people that I had rowed. I you know, I couldn't talk to like my former teammates. I, yeah. it was just terrible but now I see all of these like failures on the part of other people especially the adults (laughs) I was 20 which like I remember feeling like I'm an adult at the time and now I look back and I'm like where the fuck were all of the adults that were supposed to be taking care of us and taking care of me and like you know the counselors and I look at it as a failure of like my own awareness I guess in not knowing how to talk about mental health or get help but also like a failure of the school and not providing oh, those resources. Yeah. A failure of like, you know, and I understand an athletic department, like their job is to make money and to pump out incredible athletes when you're broken. Mm-hmm they don't like they just throw you out and that's so normal there's a really great documentary about it called schooled that's just all about the nc2a and how fucked up it is which i highly recommend Yay! watching <laughs> um i believe it's called schooled but yeah it was just it was so hard and you know it took me i was trying to process so many things so i wasn't really able to process that in the moment like i just kind of You know, move through it. But I do think it has helped me become so aware of how we treat just everybody. It's made me become really aware of like mental health and the variety of ways that that can show up. I, a couple of years ago my husband like super super encouraged me to get back into coaching rowing which i was like i don't, i can't coach i didn't row all 4 years of college you know like no one wants me as a coach and i love coaching it's so great but i also Yay. love honestly that this really terrible thing happened to me and that my teammates were so terrible and so misunderstood my mental health issues because I like take it as my responsibility to really mm-hmm. check in with all of the girls and their mental health if they're like you know able to talk about that and make it very clear that like I care about them There's as people first for yeah mm-hmm. and athletes first so That's my biggest failure. And it's, you know, I now understand that it wasn't my fault and that Mm -hmm. there was so much tied up in it, but it's definitely on top of my mom dying, the second worst thing that ever happened to me. And they happened back to back. And there was just so much, you know, I've just, I've learned so much from it. And I've always been so just mortified to talk about it because it's, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, like I didn't get to go to the end of, at senior year at every school, they have these like big athletic achievement things and everybody gets like congratulations for being a college athlete and you get to wear like a special thing with your graduation robe and I didn't get to wear any of that so I obviously uh cuz I didn't row my senior year and so I really I felt like I wasn't an athlete I wasn't like I didn't have the right to like claim college athletics which now I know is not true and now I mean so many people who are like yeah I didn't row my senior year I didn't play basketball my you know like it's so much more common yeah. than you think but yeah I mean it was like really one of the worst things I've ever gone through. And it taught me so much that I wish I hadn't had to learn, but I'm really, really glad that I did.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, through our struggle, we learn our strength. Totally. It seems like you came out a stronger person from this, unfortunately, but it had to be that painful. It's never fun when it's a super painful way to learn a good lesson
0: totally yeah and i think you know like i was saying i never have talked about this like i've i've started blog posts about it and then deleted them because i'm just like ugh i can't share this it makes me look weak or I'm somehow not an athlete because this happened to me. And now I'm like, no, that's not true. And this is a very important part of my story and also why I advocate so much for the things that I advocate for.
1: That's amazing. And I really just want to thank you for sharing that and for for being open and vulnerable about something that uh, I know has probably weighed heavily on your heart for a really long time. And a lot of what I noticed through you talking about it, I feel like is a lot of shame, which is so interesting. I love to do episodes about this because I love Brene Brown and all of her research on shame and how it plays a part in our lives. But that, uh, you know, we identify with our failure, like we become our failure. So when we have something that we have failed at, like an unhealthy response to that is, saying that you are the failure yes whereas when we can have a healthier response to the failure of okay, what do, what did I need to bring to the table that I didn't bring to the table? What can I learn? How can I pivot? What can I get from this experience? Uh, So as opposed to saying that that failure was you and identifying with it, being able to have the hindsight to be like, oh, like, look at everything else that went into this happening. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a bad person and I messed up and I don't deserve this. uh, And that really, probably what keeps people from discussing more about their failures is this feeling of shame, because shame is where we keep things Mm -hmm. hidden. and We don't want to talk about it because we think that it makes us less worthy. It thinks that it's going to make people not respect us or not want to talk to us or that they're going to shame us even more for having the shame that we already feel about our story. So being able to share that I think is just so, so powerful and really helpful so that people feel not so alone.
0: Yeah. Their stories of shame. Yeah. And shame is to your point, such a complicated emotion. And it took me Mm -hmm. a really long time to understand that, like the really big feeling I was feeling associated with all of this was shame. And then, yeah, Brene Brown, so helpful for working through that. Um, My psychiatrist, super helpful. But yeah, I think that, you know, that's why I tried to sort of tell it the way that I told it, because it's not just like the failure of getting kicked off the team. It's like all of these other things tied up in it. And like, I think with any failure, there's probably multiple facets to whatever happened to each individual. And it's important to like really give yourself time to feel all of those. Yeah. All right, Stacia.
1: (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, I was like thinking about it, like, okay, Stacia, what's your big epic story? And honestly, It doesn't have to be
0: big and epic.
1: I know. I know. Yours was just so good. So I might just touch on a few things briefly for me because like I said before, I don't feel like I have these big epic, like I don't have many big failures in my life because I've never made any big, taken any big chances or put myself out there in a super meaningful way. And I've started to do it more and there have certainly been some learning opportunities along the way. So so I'm not saying I haven't. Failed at life because there are plenty of op- plenty of times that I have stumbled um, on this journey. But I feel like for me, something that was really interesting because I was I hadn't really thought of what my thing would be. But it was interesting hearing your story of failure and linking it to something that you had been really ashamed of and something that you didn't want to talk about openly with people and. I feel like for me, that should have been my DUI. (laughs) Like that should have been my biggest failure. Like that was to a certain extent, my rock bottom, but I never felt uncomfortable sharing about it because I think it was easy for me to see that that was my fault and that I had to take ownership for it Mm -hmm. and that I learned from it. So it was easier for me to own because it was like, oh yeah, like, well, now I don't. I make better decisions and uh, I'm suffered the consequences of my actions and uh, had to do a lot of things that were really challenging for me. But uh, I definitely think, and like, also I'm like, okay, well, was that like a failure? I don't even
0: know. Totally. Well, and that's (laughs) definitely a mistake. (laughs) It's hard. And that's, I think such a good point is like, yeah, do I even is this a failure? Was it a mistake? Was it just an experience? Um, and I think it's yeah, also all about like how you frame and failure is so things.
1: fluid. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that failure is like a more fluid thing, because how can you say, like, I feel like it's so cliche, but like, you only fail if you stop trying. Like, how can you ever say there was an absolute failure? Because... It simply was an opportunity to learn, right? And if you have that mindset, it's like okay, like I don't, I, I don't have any stories that were like big enough to be like, oh my gosh, like yeah, I launched this thing and like five hundred thousand people were supposed to be there and only one person showed right. up, like no, right. I don't totally, have, like, yeah, no, but I also think like that you big. know the,
0: your failure or whatever, like. It might be a small thing or something, but it can Mm -hmm. still not small, but like it might externally look small, but it can still be something that like really rips you apart.
1: 100%. And like I think that if you're listening to this and reflecting on your life and uh, things that maybe have felt like failures to you, that they can be the smallest of things that can rock your world and that you might Mm -hmm. not think that it's something that's worthy of you reflecting on or feeling like that. It was a fail that you were a failure or that it was a failure in your life, but like to give yourself the permission to be like, yeah, like I wanted that to go differently and that it's a chance to learn and grow.
0: Yeah. And I think if you can't stop thinking about something, Like you said, that's a really good sign that you probably need to work through it a little more.
1: Yeah, or if it's something that you feel like you wouldn't want to talk to somebody about. And again... Being mindful of who you share things with is definitely super important because you want it to be a safe space if it's something that you do have a hard time opening up about. Because uh, the last thing you want to do is be like super vulnerable and have someone throw it in your face.
0: Yes, (laughs) 100%. We've all had that happen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I just encourage everyone, like to I what was uh, I can't I was gonna do a Glennon Doyle thing
0: again, <laughs> Glennon <it. laughs>
1: we love you no.
0: <laughs> be our best so friend
1: I, please <laughs> please oh dream come true
0: yeah I think I think failure is just hard but I also think the older I get the more experience I get the more I realize that everybody has a failure mm-hmm. that they feel like really defines them I'm reading this book mm-hmm. right now it's pretty intense but like for some reason when there's like dark things going on in the in the world or in my life I find it really helpful to read like a dark book or watch like a dark (laughs) show it's like very cathartic (laughs) for me so I'm reading this book by the mother of one of the Columbine shooters wow which is it's really good I'll put it in I'll actually put it in the show notes (laughs) but she talks about this thing of like you know and it's it's way more I, like read it. Cause she's not just saying like my son was a good person. He just did this one big thing, but she's basically like, it's so much more complicated than like you're good or bad. Like everybody is a mix of both. And like, just cause we've mm-hmm. had one big failure or one terrible thing, like that doesn't define you. It's like all of these different things. And she mm-hmm. talks about how when we're little, it's almost problematic that like parents read us fairy tales of like, there's good guys. And there's bad guys because then it gets you stuck in this mindset of like you're either a good person or a bad person. And like really very few people are one or the other. But I think that that's like a big feeling when you have a big failure or like a big embarrassment or a big fuck up as you're like, oh, my God, this now means that I am this person. And that's not the case.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I talk with my therapist about it and how like with the inner child work that we do that children really see things as black and white. So when you do hear stories of good and bad, that uh, there is no in between, there's no gray area and that how a healthier adult response is to recognize that there's all different shades in between black and white that you can exist on. And that having a failure doesn't mean being a failure and that taking Oof. a chance on something and that it doesn't even need to be like, I also feel like given the culture, there's this big pressure to be super successful mm-hmm. and to have all these amazing things. And that really defining success for yourself and not letting others define yeah. for you can lead to you trying things that might be a big deal for you. Like for me, when I was dating someone they had had a fair amount of success in their life and they had done a lot of really great things Mm -hmm. and I had not. But I was working really hard towards taking steps that felt monumental to me. Yes, Like they were huge deals for me. Someone else might look at that and be like, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. And I was like, but for me, this is a big freaking deal yeah this is huge yeah and that to define success in your own terms and what that looks like for you and not doing it based on what you think success should feel like Mm -hmm. look like be like based on how other people define it or share it and that uh, it really is I really do try to wake up every day and be like, okay, how can I fucking bail? Like, I want to bail so goddamn big. Like, cause then I know I'm on the right path and I know that I'm trying things that are scary for me, but that are going to take me somewhere that I want to be.
0: Yeah. It's like that, those quotes that are like, life happens outside your comfort zone. And I do think the more you do things that are uncomfortable and to your point, let yourself fail, the more you're like, oh, I can handle this. This isn't that bad. This is like pretty fun.
1: Yeah. Whereas if you just live in that safe little box that uh, is the same every single day, which is like what I did, that's also like my favorite metaphor for my life. Like I was <laughs> like, okay, are you going to be in the box or out of the box? And uh, it's a decision I have to make every single yeah. day. And I'm like, and sometimes I recognize I'm like, okay, I'm living in the box and that's okay. But my goal is to try my best to live outside of that box. Totally. creative. Yeah.
0: Myself. Well, and I think too, like even just society ideals of what success and failure are, like, it's really hard to unpack yourself from that. And I think like you and I work for ourselves and have like, you know, we don't get up at like X time every day and then go to an office. And like, I really struggled with that. I don't know how you did, but like when I first started working for myself, Mm -hmm. I really struggled with like feeling like I needed to prove something because Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing like the standard success. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I think that's Always like you hear all these people who are like, oh, I became a doctor and I actually hate it. But my parents like really wanted me to do it or like a lawyer. And I think even just understanding, like, are you listening to an external version of what success is or what failure is? Or are you like tooting into your own version of what that is? And that's it's really, really hard. Like, I definitely still work through that all the time. But it's that like, oh, I don't have to have like a new car or I don't have to have, you know, X, Y, Z things. I think those things get put in your brain as stuff that you have to do and you don't.
1: No. And I literally laughed because I tried, I started to define success for me and I was like, I don't need all the fancy X, Y, and Z I'm like literally I just want to my, I'll know I have reached the amount of success I want when I can go into a grocery store and buy like a $30 uh, jar of honey yes. and not give a fuck and not be stressed out. <laughs> I'm about like it. then I will have it made when I can buy whatever yeah. I want at the grocery store. And and that is all I not want <laughs> that and I totally.
0: I know I have a friend who also works for herself and she I remember we got coffee a couple of years ago and she was like, "Well, when are you going to travel?" And I was like, what? And she was like, well, you work for yourself so you can work from anywhere. Like, you should be traveling all over the place. Like, that's the whole dream. That's the goal. And I was like, I don't want to do that at all. Like, I want to travel, but I like having a home base and, like, I like being here. And we, so we got into this whole, like, discussion about it. And I was like, dude, like, this is your version of what it means to be successful, but I have Mm -hmm. no desire to do that. Yeah, And, like you know, we need to understand like our language and our different things. And like, I've, you know, had people check me before who are like, look, Lizzie, like your version of success is doing your own thing and like not being tied down to a job. But like my version of success is having this job and working through these promotions. So like, you know, that was an important thing for me to realize too, like, oh, some people like having a desk job. I fucking hate it. But like, some people want to do that. So
1: well, yeah, and you're allowed to define your life on your terms and what works for you. Mm -hmm. And it isn't there's no one size fits all way to do life. And trying to be as true to yourself as you know yourself. And again, that can be more challenging when you think that you know yourself and you're like, wait, actually, I've just been (laughs) pretending to be everybody else around me because I don't know who I am. But hey, there is redemption in that story because I'm living proof of that. So you can figure out who you are and what you want in life and start going after it, even if it is at a snail's pace, because I can promise you I am... I am as slow as they come, but I'm never giving up.
0: Yeah, but you're not giving up. And it's like, you always say to your training clients, and you've said this to me, it's like, even just putting on your shoes and like thinking about it is a huge deal. Like so Mm -hmm. many people never fucking do that. And so even if you are going so slowly that like it's not even able to be seen, you're still doing the thing. And that is so important and- I mean, especially for people like me who are these crazy, like, I must do everything. Like, that's a really important lesson is like, you're still doing it and it's okay.
1: Yeah. And that your success isn't determined just by your result. Mm. Because I think that that can be a really negative way to think. And that was what my last relationship, you were only as successful as your results. And it was a really, really challenging relationship to try and prove myself in. Because I didn't have the results that I wanted, but I was working so, so hard, hard yeah. every single day.
0: Yeah, and I think like you know, I always wish that in school, like when we were little, that that would be more of a thing. That's just like, like your hard work and my hard work aren't going to look the same. Or like some people are able to like do something really great without working hard at all, and then other people, mm-hmm. like this is something I always have to talk to the girls that I coach about. Is I'm like. I know that you are working so, so hard. And I see that, like, unfortunately, this person is just naturally super good at that. And it doesn't make them better or worse than you. It's just like your guys' version of hard work and of success is going to look very different. And I wish Mm -hmm. that, like, there were more examples to teach kids that.
1: Well, yeah, you go to school and you're all graded on the exact same system. Yeah, which is bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Like how are you expected to ever think that you're allowed to have a different definition yeah. of success? You either get A's or, or like, F. you don't. Well, I'm thinking
0: <laughs> about the people who are like, I got terrible, like these amazing entrepreneurs who were like, I flunked out of college or like I flunked out of high school or whatever and now have these incredible businesses. Like I think, I mean, this oh, is yeah. a whole other topic for another episode but like I think that it's bullshit that we do that to people in so many ways.
1: Um. Yeah, I'm like, congratulations. I was a straight A student and was fantastic at school but terrible at life like right, yeah
0: whoop-de-doo yeah and that's <laughs> such a thing like I mean you don't get grades in real life unfortunately no. so no. yeah and I was also someone who was just obsessed with grades and it was like for what <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no one ever asks me my high school GPA <laughs> now so <laughs> glad I obsessed over that so much <laughs> do you have anything else you'd like to share any thoughts
1: No, I think that this has been amazing. And I really appreciate you opening up about that story because I had never heard that. I didn't know that you know people all four years. People very close uh, to me don't know it.
0: Because I, yeah, to your point, I have a lot of shame around it and I'm trying to get better at owning it. And
1: I think that the shame slowly gets lifted the more we're willing to share. Yes. And I know it can be really scary, but I'm actually working on like a little passion project and it sounds so cheesy because I'm like, oh, I'm writing a memoir, but I'm essentially writing down Every shame-based story that I have, and any time that I abandoned myself, or these things that I learned through life, and just the lessons that these stories can teach us, and every time I write them, there's certain stories that I cry through as I write it, I'll cry as I read it. But there is this power in sharing it, and I'm excited for the day that comes when I share it because I'm like, you know what? I cannot at that point. I know that I will have nothing to lose because yeah, if everybody girl. knows all my shame stories. Like what, what else do I have to hide behind? I have nothing else so to hide true. behind. So what you get is me. And so that there is something super freeing and powerful in sharing your story. I so love that exercise.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening. And I think I've mentioned this before, but my therapist, often has me write down every, cause I have really bad anxiety, everything I'm afraid of, like just mm-hmm. write until you mm-hmm. can't think of anything else and then look at it. And it's like, you get it out of your body. And also sometimes you look at stuff and you're like, why am I afraid of like being eaten by a shark? I never swim in the water, you know, like little things <laughs> that you're like, okay, this is just silly. So Yeah. um, What's your yay for the day, Stacia?
1: Okay, let's do it. Let's celebrate some gratitude. So for me, I think that finding the silver lining in all of the mayhem that's been going on and everything has been, again, like practicing gratitude. We both know what a powerful, powerful practice that that is. And that understanding that being stuck at home has a lot of different effects on a lot of different people. And there are a lot of people in homes that they are not feeling safe to be in and in situations that really suck. And so I just want to remind, it's not remind people, but there is trying to see some silver lining, finding things to be grateful for amidst a time of crisis has helped me. And one thing that I am most definitely celebrating, because this was so funny, like so crazy to me that it took a pandemic for this to happen. (laughs) But yesterday, I got to hop on a family Zoom call, Uh... and I think that there were... 15 of us. And there were some cousins on there that I haven't talked to in probably 10, 15 years. I love that. So it was just like all aunts, uncles, cousins, my sister, my mom, Uh, everybody. Why don't we do this just
0: all the time?
1: (laughs) Exactly. And it was so crazy. So it's like, oh my gosh, it took a pandemic for this to happen. But what a cool thing to know that we now have this available and the opportunity to connect with our family and see how everyone's doing and to be able to connect that way so my yay for the day is finding connection even amidst the time where we feel further apart than ever I love that I'm grateful and
0: I do think like this so I played cards with my cousin over Skype the other day and it was like so like he's a genius and had like this way figured out that we could play cards over Skype. Cause I was like, how the fuck are we going to do this? Um, But I, I do think to your point, it's the good that's going to come out of this is we're all realizing like, Oh, there are other ways to hang out with people. And like, I can go out of my way and like, I FaceTimed my parents and I never FaceTimed my dad and my stepmom, mm-hmm. but it was so fun. And like, my dad was like, what's going on? You know, it was just like, so cute. <laughs> and I do think that is one of the really good things that's going to come out of this is people will just go out of their way to connect in different ways and like connect more.
1: Yeah. I agree. And I would love to hear yo yay for the day. Okay, well, I
0: have two. Yes, <laughs> um, celebrate. So Pray. yay number one is that our podcast is out in the
1: world. Yay! Um, and this is like... Is this our first just, one recording since we launched it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I know. Talk lies. knows
0: this, but like I... Like, obviously, I know what we talk about, but I cannot stop listening to the out. Like, I'm just like, oh, my God, it's <laughs> alive. Like, it's out there. I am just a thing. so excited about it. And I think to Stacia's point, like, about just doing something slowly, but surely, I feel like we've been working on this forever and we've been working really hard. <laughs> So yes. when it came out I was just like, oh fuck, we have a podcast. Like I don't know, I was just so proud of ourselves.
1: That's really awesome. Thank you for that share because I didn't even realize that. Yes. And that's definitely something to celebrate. Yeah, so we need to celebrate
0: <laughs> it. And like Stacia has learned all about editing. It's I'm so impressed. And then my second yay is that so I love to bake. Like mm. I've always been a big baker. But it's something yes. that I just never like do because I just I always am like, oh, I don't have, you know, time. And yeah. now there's just endless endless springtime. and my husband dan has always wanted to learn how to bake he's really into cooking and like grilling and so we i taught him how to bake this weekend and we made cookies really good cookies that i'll put in the show notes they're from the new york times they're these Yum. like salted tahini chocolate chip cookies they're like sweet and savory Ooh, so good mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. last night we made lemon bars, Yum. which are How cute. so good. Yeah. And it was like so fun. It, we were doing something that we don't normally do. I mean, you can't really mm-hmm. like watch TV while you're baking. And we both were like, why don't we do this all the time? This is so fun. So, but now I have like so many baked goods at our house <laughs> and it's kind of bad timing to bake a ton because people don't necessarily want you to like give them something that you touched. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, But I've got a couple neighbors that are down for my baked goods. So that's my yay. Yes. Is it's been fun to just rediscover things that I really love to do that I normally don't allow myself time for.
1: That's awesome. And to be able to get creative with your significant other or someone that you want to spend time with and do new activities together. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Highly recommend with your significant other, with your friends, with your roommates. Roommate. Yeah, yeah. I mean like your family, Stacia gave a great example. I think this is a really stressful Really unprecedented time but it's also so cool because we can do all these things that we never would do or have time for otherwise which I think is really awesome so I agree and some positives well thank you guys thank you so much Jenny on Instagram for suggesting this topic I think it was a really cathartic fun one to record and we got some other really great ideas that you guys sent in that we will cover in the next couple episodes please keep letting us know if there's anything you want us to talk about and Stacia do you have anything you want to add
1: I'm just so grateful to have this time with you and to get to create something that uh, is so special and near and dear to my heart and uh, But yeah, I'm so happy to celebrate the launch of this podcast and so grateful for all the feedback that we've already gotten and... Your continued support to our lovely yeah. audience and the people listening. We're just so, so very grateful for everything that you do to show up for us so that we can keep showing up for you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Like, subscribe, yes, comment, share that. an episode with a friend. And yeah, today's topic, we got we really got deep into yeah. it in a good way. In I'm such like a good this is our longest episode to date. Yeah. And I think it's really full of a lot of useful nuggets that people are gonna get a lot from so thank you for listening. Yeah thank you
0: guys and seriously like your likes, subscribes, your ratings help us so much more than you know so I really appreciate you guys doing that. I know it takes like two seconds of your time and it might not seem like a big deal but it's a huge deal for us so thank you so much.
1: It is a huge deal for us and even amidst all the crazy uncertainty, the pandemic, we're just here to remind you that hey you got this. Yay we'll talk to you soon.